1: All right. Well, it's been a couple weeks, but uh, the return of the mini pod has come, and I'm very excited to be joined by Sports Media Watch editor and founder John Lewis, Sports Business Journal managing editor slash digital Austin Carp. This is, of course, the Sports Media Podcast, and uh, and there are times we just like to just hyper focus on sports viewership, and this will be one of those podcasts. Welcome, John. Welcome, Austin.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back.
1: All right, let up me start with you, Austin, because as we are taping this on Wednesday, November 29th, how much excitement was going on on social media between Fox Sports Public Relations and ESPN Public Relations, as well as their research (laughs) and strategy specialists throwing out numbers to see who gets supremacy between College Game Day in Ann Arbor, and big noon kickoff in Ann Arbor. I'm sure you have the numbers in front of you there. Here is what I will say before I cede to you. The fact alone that Fox is even in this conversation is the massive win above everything else. Had you mentioned five years ago that Fox could have a college football pregame show that could even be in the same stratosphere as college game day when it comes to viewership, most of us would have said that's insane, that's impossible. But I give them credit they've been able to pull this off. There are certainly people on that show I don't particularly like, but who cares what Richard Deitch likes or doesn't like. This is a viewership podcast, and the reality is they had one of their best weeks of all time. Austin, do you have the viewership numbers in front of you? And if so, can you provide that for my audience?
3: Yeah. So let's look at some of the top line numbers first. Um, (laughs) And I'm laughing because even before you get into that, like there's argument over what the top line should even be because you had competing press releases uh, fox said they won espn said they won but the way that i'm looking at it each of these were a three hour or so show game day ran from around nine to 1203 uh, on espn and espnu nothing new they've pretty much always for years now they've been running a simulcast on espnu put it all together around 2.4 million viewers for that show big noon kickoff same sort of window but it ran a little later ran up to 1215, which allowed more viewers to come in for what is easily the most watched college football game of the regular season. And it was around 3% low, around 2.34 million viewers for that show. Um, That also, they also had a simulcast there for the last hour for big new kickoff on FS1. Um, If you break out just the 11 a.m. hour when, you know, viewers are really hyped up looking for college football, you know. Fox did win there in that 11 a.m. hour. They had around 4.4 4 million viewers. ESPN and ESPNU around 3.2 million. So it was only over the three hour, the complete three hour show. ESPN gets the win in that last final hour when viewers are really coming to see what's up. You know, Fox had a big win there.
1: John, um, that's a massive 11 o'clock hour for Fox. There's just no way around it. I mean, that that's that 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 11 o'clock hour is would be a pretty great number for a college football game. On Saturday, so when you saw these viewership um, dueling viewership numbers come out, what 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 was the first thing that immediately came to mind for you?
2: Uh, well, honestly, nothing came to mind because I was too busy trying to catch up on a full week of of ratings charts. Honestly, but look, I mean, my my thought process is as impressive as that number is, and it's a great number. Everybody at Big Noon and Fox, you know, uh, all the champagne or whatever, you know, you're also including 15 minutes. Into the actual yes. game. The first quarter hour of Michigan Ohio State is in the pregame number. You know, a lot of the times you'll separate that out as a pre kick show. You know, I mean, that's kind of like when we talk about the Super Bowl pregame and it includes like the 6 30 p.m. quarter hour or whatever, people are tuning in for the game at that point. They're not tuning in for the pregame. And again, I'm not going to, you know, diminish the accomplishment of what Fox did, except to say that ESPN still had more viewers without the game coming on immediately after. So you have to keep in mind, there were still more viewers in ESPN when they knew they had to change the channel to get to Michigan, Ohio State. Then there were on the channel that aired Michigan, Ohio State, and included the first quarter hour of the listed start time. Uh, in the pregame number, so I think it's a great number, but we don't, you know. I mean, let's not go go wild with it because there are some factors that obviously gave Fox an advantage in this case.
1: All right, let me go back to you, Austin, as my sort of you know maybe my arbiter here of viewership morality. Is this a? I mean, is this Mike Mulvihill and playing a little dark arts with us by, um, you know, you 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 use the 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 early game audience to juice the ratings is this ann pennington playing a little dark arts on the pr side of fox sports pr saying hey i'm gonna i'm i'm included in this this is this this counts for us we're gonna we're gonna measure this i mean is it flora kelly the the, the great flora kelly from espn saying hey I'm tired of Mother hills nonsense let's not count this uh this bleeding i'm just gonna mention as many names that literally 99% of the audience does not know until I until I stop. I find this hilarious because these companies take this stuff seriously. And in some ways, listen, it's business. I get it. But one of the things, Austin, that I know you come across and John comes across too, it's all funny to us, is that all of these networks in their own way will interpret the data which best suits them. You agree? I mean, NBC does this all yes. the time with Total Audience Delivery. Fox is going to do this with with this particular number, and ESPN is going to do it with their number, and I, there's an argument to be made. Like they're all correct. Like ultimately, it's in some ways, right? It's just whatever data that you want to determine is the important data, or the data where uh, where something begins or ends. Like is your is your call. Um, so I find the whole thing amusing, but in some ways, I think this is indicative that you can you could sort of. You know, you can play around with these numbers in 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 certain ways because they it's not an official or exact universal standard, right?
3: No, I mean, as much as you want the math here to be universal science, it, it just isn't. There are no dark artists here. I don't think there's any ill will or malice coming from anybody. No, this
1: is we, awesome. You gotta sit, You gotta you gotta blast somebody. I mean, come on. I mean, come I need on, I, numbers, I, I think that we
3: I and mean, John. We try to be as consistent as possible in how. you, do. you get reporting. this is why
1: I like having you guys on. You're not you're not cheap wrestling heels like me.
3: No, you like, having ESPN and including that simulcast number is nothing new. They've been doing it for years. It's something that's been reported for years. It doesn't add that many viewers. We're talking about fewer than a hundred thousand viewers every week, but it does add enough. And when it's close, which it was this week, you know that sort of thing matters something you were alluding to, this isn't the only territory where people are fighting. You see, you know, it was earlier in the season, there was argument over who had the most watched NFL game because, you know, NBC for its kickoff, you know, uh, they said 27.5 million viewers watched Lions Chiefs, but that included, like you said, the TAD number. Fox had a number that was closer and they were claiming to have the bigger number. Then at the end of the season... You see Fox always wanted to say that their national window, that Sunday 425 window, that's the best package. And then you see NBC, they're saying, well, no, our Sunday night game, that's one package. That's the better one. So it is is—it is kind of amusing and nobody is wrong, but it is, a, it is business. This is business and you are trying to outdo the other business.
1: Yeah. And I will say, I'll go back to you, John Lewis, like the, here, and I'll, I'll be serious for a second. Like there is massive value to be able to say that you have the most watched college football pregame show either for the season or on any week. And so I'm with Austin on that. Like, this is a great story for Fox to tell advertisers because again, historically, college game day has blown them out of the water. It has not been close. And now they could at least go to market and at least present this week to say, hey, we, you know, we went step by step. Now, The confluence of this is just unbelievable. They got Ohio State and Michigan essentially playing, you know, a game of the century type of game. Um, The controversy surrounding Jim Harbaugh was absolutely going to draw more people to this game. We'll get to the actual viewership number in a second.
2: Which is not to say that Big Noon has not grown its audience. I just think that a lot of last week's number was going 15 minutes into the game time. So to me, I don't think it was like, whoa, what is this big noon thing? I've never heard of this before. I mean, I don't think that's really what it is. I think most of the people who are watching and made the difference in that being much more viewed than usual would be seeing those same folks at halftime anyway. They're there for the game. Um, so I, I don't think there's going to be anything of note this week. Obviously, there's no big noon game on Fox at all this week uh, because there's no. Uh, they don't air the Big Ten title game at noon.
3: But it's, what John says though is really important that 1215, what people really need to focus on that. I think normally when big noon kickoff, they're all usually off by 1206, 1207, 1208. That extra time, like you if you're a sports fan, you know everybody, all of us know sports fans. They're like, oh, the Ohio State, Michigan game's on, turn it on. Okay. And you have millions of viewers potentially coming in for that kickoff or the start of the game. And that if that's counted toward the pregame, like that matters and that helps
2: yeah absolutely
1: yeah let's get to the game number and i'll start with you john um it's an extraordinary number i thought it might hit 20 million it, it got to 19 um you know i'm not going to give myself a check but I, i'm not sure i'm going to give myself an f as well i mean the um that's an extraordinary number for college football it is far and away the most watched college football game of this year I think you can correct me, John. Most watched regular season college football games since 2011. Yep. Alabama LSU. Okay. Yep. So you're talking about, you know, you're talking about a transcendent viewership number, uh, best in 12 years. Um, I think what I would have to say is that it proves just how powerful this game is. And then the interesting thing to me is because we're going to have a college football playoff now, will. Will that impact viewership, you think? because theoretically Michigan or Ohio State could end up losing that game and still making the college football playoffs with an expanded playoffs. Do you think that hasn't will that have an impact on the viewership number because in th- you know, sort of in reality, the game in theory doesn't matter as much heading forward because these teams their season's not over with one loss?
2: Well, I do think that'll be a factor. Uh, I think the main reason why none of these subsequent Ohio State Michigan games, have done as well as two thousand six is because the stakes are different. Even with the fourteen playoff, right? Plus, in two thousand six, you didn't even have a, a Big Ten title game, so that was that was the end of the season. Um, you know, I, I think the more opportunity teams have to survive a defeat, the more that you're going to take away from that regular season audience. But then again, if you go back into the nineties. It's not like Ohio State Michigan was lighting up the ratings back then. And obviously, you know, in in some of those years, you didn't have any real postseason playoff style event uh, at all. So I do think that even in the 12-team era, you're not going to see Ohio State Michigan suddenly, oh, hey, here's 9 million viewers. If the teams are good, if it's a two versus a three, it still matters, even in a 12-team scenario. Although, you know, who knows? We haven't seen a 12-team scenario yet, so I might be wrong. 19.1
1: 19.1 million viewers exactly for Michigan Ohio State uh, just a shade under LSU Alabama in 2011 which had 20 million viewers um, Austin this I think um, you know there's a reason they picked this game Fox picks this game number one when it when it sort of when it picks its big 10 games it's always gonna pick this um, you know maybe if like in Alabama or some other team has like a de facto number one draft pick top overall pick may, maybe Alabama gets sort of back uh, to the number one spot ohio state's always, oh, you know maybe ohio state plays somebody and that gets to number one but at least in my opinion for the foreseeable future this is this this game should be the most watched football game college football game in the regular season next year as well agree or disagree
3: that's the lead in the clubhouse the easy leader in the clubhouse i mean if you look back to what that superlative was like we said it was dating back to and what an undefeated lsu undefeated alabama game from 2011 yeah, if you get that sort of matchup middle of the season, if, I don't know, if, if Florida could ever get their get their crap together and make you know the cocktail party legit and have an undefeated Florida versus an undefeated Georgia, yeah, I, I think that could have a chance to top something like this. But it, like, it's the end of the season. It's the end of the season. There are major playoff implications on this particular weekend. And yeah, I, like John alluded to it, I think it might get watered down a little bit when you have a 12-team playoff. But in terms of you know nationally known college rivalries, yeah, I mean this this is at the top of the list. I think this is more nationally known than the Iron Bowl, and you look at the numbers; they're almost double what, or a lot double what the number is now for the Iron Bowl.
1: Uh, one last one on college football, and then we'll move to NFL Thanksgiving Day ratings and some other stuff. John Lewis, I'll go to you on this. Um, my colleagues at the Athletic wrote a really interesting piece, a football piece on Colorado and how um, Deion Sanders and company may be in trouble next year, given that their recruiting was not particularly strong heading to next year, and he's not going to be able to benefit from the, the transfer market the way that program did this year. And it gets me thinking, John, that um, Colorado was so important to college football viewership, particularly those first four games, that n- next year, like maybe after week one or week two, I'm not sure we're going to see a replay of the the fascination with Colorado. I, I'm not even I'm not even convinced how many people are going to be so into Colorado week one, and that's just so fascinating to me. Because even on this podcast, John, like w- we almost had a whole entire mini podcast on Colorado viewership alone. It's it's just fa- it's so fascinating how that changed so quickly.
2: Well, I mean, it was it was kind of a fad, right? You know, and uh, it was a bit like Lynn sanity. You know, we've seen this before, like when Monet Davis was in the Little League World Series, like I mentioned, Lynn Sanity. I'm sure there's even better examples that I'd be able to come up with if I was a little bit less tired this afternoon. But I mean, the reality is we've seen we've seen it time and time again. It was uh, nice while it lasted, but it's over now. And uh, it's, you know, I mean, maybe a good example is almost like Danica Patrick. When Danica came in uh, and, and was leading the Indy 500, those viewers, you know, the viewership numbers were really amazing. Same thing when she did it at Daytona. A few years later. In neither case did she repeat that performance the next year, or the ratings repeat that performance. It was a one-time deal
1: All right, let's move to the NFL. Um, Austin, there's a number of ways you can go with this. The Thanksgiving Day game set a record mm-hmm. for, you know, if you combine the three games for the most watched uh, Thanksgiving Day on record. A lot of that has to do with out, uh, out-of-home viewership. It got obviously a big pop. Uh, that Cowboys-Commanders uh, number is just incredible. That was essentially a blowout. And it popped the 40 million that viewership mark, blowout, which is just absolutely. Yeah,
3: I thought it would have, once the blowout started, I figured it was not going to top 40. So that, it surprised me.
1: Just incredible. So, I mean, again, like, it, it, you know, th- there's nothing new about saying, man, the NFL is just the most dominant content play out there. That's obviously true. But I think the numbers were, I mean, I just to speak for myself. Those numbers on Thanksgiving were bigger than I expected. And I think they were bigger because of what we just mentioned. The, the None of those games were really competitive, but yet the viewership numbers were like divisional playoff numbers.
3: It's incredible. And, you know, the early window also surprised me. And you, you said it out of home is a very is a is a big contributor to a lot of these, especially on Thanksgiving, big NFL numbers no Lions game from Thanksgiving had ever been in the top 10 of the most watched Thanksgiving day games until this year. So now you got nine Cowboys games and finally one Lions game that is worth talking about. And it wasn't even that noticeable. I mean, uh, it was a Packers team that is met. I mean, they don't have Aaron Rodgers. There was nothing to write home about. There very little pl- playoff implications for the, you know, for the Packers at least. So yeah, it, w- it was surprising to see the strength of that number. Um, the NBC one, not as surprising. Like, yeah, I, I, I I kind of expected that to do well, but I mean, looking, looking past Thanksgiving, I don't know if we want to get right, get into the black Friday already, but you know, we can talk about we, that. Uh, yeah.
1: I'm going to give, I'm going to give that one to John Lewis. So John black Friday on prime video, averaged 9.61 million viewers um, per Nielsen peaked at about 11 million viewers. Um, uh, to me, that's a successful viewership number. Just given when kickoff was given how much, um, publicity they got for it. Yeah, it's a lower number than what Amazon normally gets, but it's also a 3 p.m. kickoff. So to me, that's success, but I'm curious how you see it.
2: Well, I think you could look at it that way, certainly. I mean, the fact that you can just create out of nothing a new Black Friday tradition and get the largest football audience on on Black Friday in uh, several years, I think since maybe 2011, uh, maybe an LSU-Arkansas game back then. I mean, it says a lot about the strength of the nfl but it also tells you the limitations of that strength the nfl is not just going to roll out of bed and get you know 20 million viewers to watch a game on on black friday uh they're, they're gonna to have to build up this tradition to get to the kind of numbers that i think people are are used to from the league so i i don't think it was a bad number i i just you know i i think it was a number that i i, I expect the nfl thought they would do better um, and uh, you know, but beyond the fact that it's three p.m. on a Friday, it's also New York. Uh, the New York teams are no good in the NFL, and and, and really haven't been for a while. Uh, I think uh, you know maybe next year with hopefully a, a better matchup, maybe it'll do a little bit better.
1: Interesting. How do you see it, Austin? Do you, you John? Sort of. Uh, John's probably a little not as high on that number as I am. How do you see it? I
3: I will respectfully disagree with John on this one. I thought the NFL would have rolled out of bed and hit 15 million viewers, you know, at least approaching some sort of streaming record because it's the NFL. We, We see it everywhere else. There was nothing to lead me to believe that they weren't going to get a really strong streaming number, you know, something comparable to their top Thursday night football audiences, especially on a day like Black Friday. I thought they did a good job promoting it. To see it draw less than 10 million viewers was like a shock to me, I was like, "Wow!" I was really surprised to see that it couldn't cross
1: the. But the, I, I, let me let me counter really quick. I can't, can't believe i mean the 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 position of defending the NFL, but uh, but like the 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 Jets are not a good watch outside of the train wreck component, or if you're a diehard Jet fan. No, they're, they're not. So a good you're in some ways like you really are essentially in that game. You have one showcase team. The game wasn't close. Um, and so let's just, for the sake of argument, what, what is that number, Austin, if I put Kansas City there instead of New York?
3: You put Kansas City there, then I, I, I think it's a streaming record. I think it's between I agree. $15 and $20 million. Yeah, it was a dud of a matchup. And I think if you're Jay Marine and Marie Donahue, you're, you're going to Howard Katz in the offseason. You're like, yeah, we need something that is guaranteed. To be but no, but who
1: could predict Aaron Rodgers getting hurt? I think they were, were. I mean, I remember talking NFL to a quarterback getting hurt. Oh, no, I know, <laughs> I know, I get it. I'm saying, like, I remember, I don't remember who I think I talked to Marie Donahue when the schedule came out, or Jared stacy one, 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 one of those uh fancy Amazon execs, and they were overjoyed. Like, they they thought they hit the lottery, yes, with, with Aaron Rodgers. Rogers, that was a
3: lottery ticket, and this game, does, yeah, with Aaron Rodgers, that game does between, I think. I think, 15 and 20 because
2: it has...
1: Uh, I, 100, John, do you agree with that? I, I'm with Austin on that. I think it does 15 million plus if Aaron's in the game.
2: Well, maybe. I mean, it's hard to say because the counterfactual where Aaron Rodgers is healthy is a completely different season playing out.
1: You, uh, you have to presume the Jets are... I mean, he's worth at least two more wins, right? And so right. they're at least six and four. That makes them a playoff contender. I. I that's why I say 15 million. That, that, that game becomes magnified because it's not only... An important game for the playoffs, an important game for the division.
2: True. I mean, I mean I'm a little hesitant to say that one one player can get you from nine to fifteen million, but I do think obviously it would have been a, a closer to a season high than a season low.
1: All right. Good little discussion there.
0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: All right, a uh, couple more things we'll get out of here. Formula One. Um, I, I was actually impressed by ESPN's number, 1.31 million viewers for the Las Vegas race. Uh, There's a lot of bad publicity that led up to the actual race, but the race number kicking off at uh one in the morning uh eastern time that's an awesome number uh f1 has its issues obviously in terms of interest because max verstappen you know essentially has just won everything the stuff is not competitive and then john i'll go to you no i'm sorry austin i'll, I'll go to you um the andy hall uh uh who does an excellent job for espn and pr sent out the season viewership numbers and F1 was down a tick, but they were down a tick from last year's record. So how do you read the, which I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think F1 races average about 1.1 million viewers this year. How do you read that as a viewership number?
3: Yeah, first off, another shout out to Andy Hall, one of the one of the good ones out there. I, you know, everyone talked about, yeah, they have a Verstappen problem because when your documentary series is more interesting than live product, that's not good. <laughs> That's right. It was a down or 8% this year. So you're 8% off of a record high that for the, that's for been record high the last two seasons coming into this year. And those were both double digit percentage upticks. So you're falling off less than 10% on a season that is described as one of the most boring F1 seasons on record it was decided, what, four five races ago. You had a 1am start for one of your US races, uh, it, it did respectable, but you put that in prime time in the US that... You're talking about maybe a couple more million viewers, and that gets even closer. I think if they solve the competition problem, the drama is. I think still there. I think there's still a decent amount of interest. Is it going to see an uptick next season? You know, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I don't think it's guaranteed to, to rebound unless they can figure out how to, you know, make it more competitive down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I'll go to you, John Lewis. I, I, I again, I, I can't say I'm the biggest like sort of F1 aficionado. I'll check it out every now and then. I, I thought I did watch. I taped the uh, Las Vegas race. So it was very cool to watch. But it feels like the same problem NASCAR had when Jimmy Johnson was winning, John Lewis, in that like, if I'm just a casual and like there's this guy who's just like, who can't be beat, and like the season long race is like over by the halfway point of the season. It's very hard for me to get in. Interested in that circuit, and if Verstappen is as dominant next year, I, I would think the viewership is going to drop. But maybe you think differently.
2: Well, I think in general, it's never good when one player or team wins every year. Uh, I think that is something that a lot of properties have dealt with. I think even when the Warriors are doing it, in the NBA it wasn't great. UConn of women's basketball you know, but at the same time, I also wonder, well, why are people tuning into F1? Are they tuning in for the competition and and the close races? How much of it is maybe just the, you know, the glitz and glamour? How much of it is the locations? How much of it is it's the morning and there's no other live programming on, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily look at the situation right now and say, man, Verstappen is killing them because, It's still the second most watched season on record. Uh, These numbers are still way better than they have any right to be. We all remember less than a decade ago when NBC was, you know, celebrating numbers that would be disastrous for F1 now. Uh, But NBC was putting out glittering press releases about those numbers. I mean, that's kind of what you would expect for a sport like F1. And I think inevitably where F1 is going to end up going back to within the next decade or so, Uh, you know, so I, to me, I don't look at Verstappen as as being a, a tremendous problem, uh, even though obviously you want to have more competition than they've got.
1: Yeah, I don't want Strad to, to survive, but I'll be curious to see how they sort of good, do man. that show. When, it is a
2: good. It was a really good show. I will. I
3: will
1: give it. It's even with Verstappen's dominance, they could. They've. they've they're. Provi- they, it's still they, interesting to you. Yes,
3: I, I, I want to see what they do. But you know, last season was still. It was still interesting to watch. I, I enjoy it. It, it. They just do a really good job box to box and producing that show. But I also want to say like, everyone's like, Oh, is F one going to be catching up to NASCAR? Now let's like, just look at what the numbers here, top line, 1.1 million for an F one race. And NASCAR has settled in pretty comfortably at around 2.8, 2.3 million viewers, a race for the cup series. So no, F one is not the NASCAR cup series.
1: Right. And, uh, let's just look at your colleagues, John Orand and, uh, adam stern who just uh, as i'm Ooh. seeing my timelines, as we're taping this uh reporting the kind of numbers nascar just got for its new media rights 7. deal uh, that's not very brilliant. yeah that's right deal. that's that's not close to f1 uh, we're, we're talking different stratospheres there so um i agree with you and by the way i'm sure i'll have you back on this but put me down for the nba to double its uh media rights in terms of uh what they will get in their new media rights. so let me put that on the record there in terms of all double right. the amount of money from the last deal all right speaking of the nba john lewis um, how do you read the NBA in-season tournament uh numbers? I'm getting so many uh I'm getting so many press releases from the NBA and from ESPN um up 20% uh I think group play. Uh I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um here's how I would look at this, right? The fact that you ha- were able to figure out a way to increase uh regular season viewership Is a massive win because, like, there's really no catalyst to be able to do that. Um, I think the in game, um, the in season tournament's been fairly interesting. I I don't know if it's ever going to become like the FA Cup or some like over the top tradition, but as a viewership play, like, you know, it's a win to me for ESPN, WBD, and the NBA because they got a 20% pop for essentially the same regular season game. How did you see it?
2: Well, it's not essentially the same regular season, you know, inventory because look at the quality of the games. It's, you know, for example, um, you have Spurs Warriors with Wembenyama on Friday. That's a game that would have been interesting regardless of the in-season aspect. You have the Lakers, you have the Sixers. You know, maybe I mean, I I do believe that there is some impact of the tournament in terms of Driving people to games or making them stick around longer. Cause remember with Nielsen, it's not just, Hey, how many people are watching, but how long they're watching. I guarantee to you, there's been people who've watched a little bit more of a game than they normally would because of those courts to try to figure out exactly what they're looking at. So I definitely I think there's, there's an impact there. But I also think, you know, you, you, you are scheduling higher quality games. Uh, that is also a factor. Uh, and I think, you know, you look at, some of these comparisons, I think the first night of the in-season tournament was up like you know, nearly, nearly double. But the games the previous year were Pacers Wizards ag- against the World Series. I mean, some of that is simply having better games on. I do think it's having an impact. I do think people are interested in it, but I'm not seeing numbers that I've never seen before for a regular season window. These are not so crazy for this time of year.
1: One thing I would say to you Austin is I think John brings up a like a small but important point. Like the NBA did a really smart thing about just creating these new courts. Like when I just turn on as a viewer, like optically I feel like I'm watching something different or I feel like I'm watching something unique even though it's also, it's just still a regular season game. Um you know what I'm saying? Like, even if the, and, and some of those courts are horrible. I agree. Like just har, hard to watch. But that's what and you're talking about. Make, you're talking about a little them, confusing, but do you hate them? but it does, it does tell you, you have to admit, it does tell you as a viewer to your eyes, like I'm watching something different. I'm, I'm watching a different kind of game. Yeah. And
3: you're trying to train. This is year one. Okay. And if the NBA sticks with this, Okay, and, and if you're, you know, if something like the FA Cup is your ultimate goal, that, under, that had a 150-year head start. Let's give right. this sort of thing, this experiment, some time to grow. And yes, I absolutely agree. When you turn on the TV and you see those courts, boom, you know it's an in-season game. It's distinct. It's colorful. And it has getting people talking about the NBA at a time when football is still in full swing and it's during a key crunch time for either college football playoff maneuvering or NFL playoff maneuvering, you, John, Luton said it. They're, the games that they didn't care what they scheduled in early November outside of you know opening night, uh, some of those games. Now they're actually you you are getting a Warriors Kings rematch. That Game Seven from the playoffs last year was incredible and did in a really strong number, and that was the most watched of the you know the, the group stage games in the in the in for the for the in-season
1: tournament john lewis do you want me to can i tell you what i would do for this tournament that i know the nba will not do but i i think would give it incredible juice they they have talked about like you know maybe adding uh the winner the winning franchise gets like a pick at the end of the first round what if you made the first pick out of the lottery a a supplemental new pick so the first round now becomes whatever 33 picks and the winner of the in-season tournament gets like the fifteenth pick in the NBA draft.
2: Well, I honestly think that for most fans, well, most fans would care. Most hardcore fans who follow the league, but I think the casuals, the league is trying to get with all of these things like the new courts and all this stuff. They don't really think about the draft in 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 November. I, I don't know that that would be uh, such a big carrot. I, honestly, I think I you know guaranteeing at worst, the 10 spot in the play-in so that you know, no matter what, you'll, you'll you'll have an opportunity to make the playoffs. That might be more valuable and more interesting to me than, than the draft pick.
1: Austin, what about if the winning team gets to join the Fox Sports PR department and gets to then put out releases about big noon kickoff against college game day? I mean, that that's, being a, that's a
3: win, right? That's a huge win to get to work with that esteemed group of individuals. I love all of them. They love you all very much. Um, I like the idea of maybe an extra pick either at the end or, you know, like you said, outside of the lottery, you know, giving, giving somebody though, the, this early in the season, giving them like the, the 10th spot automatically. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be a fan of that, but I think you can come up with something more that is really tangible, that helps your club and is something beyond the cash reward that they have right now.
1: All right. Listen, this, I really appreciate you guys coming on this was really really interesting uh, since we're name dropping uh, absolutely enjoyed the, the back and forth between ESPN and uh, Fox Sports on this uh, and if Eric Shanks if you're listening and quite frankly I know you're absolutely not listening give Ann Pennington a race. that woman was working hard uh, hard for you on uh, Wednesday morning, getting the word out there against uh,
3: not just you know, this the week, big, all season. Hands
1: hands a win. Oh yeah, the big the big giant college. If you can try to slay the college giant, if you can try to slay college game day, you know you need you need you need a PR person on the front line.
3: Well, shout um, out to uh, Julie McKay and Bill Hoffheimer over at ESPN. Love, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Trust me, I, I'm a big Julie McKay fan. Hoffheimer, really awesome. You insist I say nice things about Bill. I guess so. We must. I'm not gonna be doing about Bill. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing this for that much longer. It really, doesn't matter what I say, anything. All right, John Lewis is the founder and editor of Sports Media Watch, essentially um, an essential read, basically. And John Lewis has essentially taken over from sports TV ratings, um, viewership numbers on a on a given week in terms of stuff. So the guy's site has become even more invaluable. So shout out, shout out to John and uh, Sports Business Journal managing editor slash digital Austin Karp, obviously. Uh, uh, one of the Bibles of the Business Sports Business Journal. They do uh, they do an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, John and Austin, thank you. Uh, I thank you for working cheap, as in zero. And thank you for um, thank you for coming on today. It was a crazy viewership week. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and, and I appreciate both your times. Thank you for coming on the mini podcast.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Talk to you guys soon.
1: All right, my thanks to uh, John Lewis, of course, Austin Karp. Thanks to Patrick Antone for all his hard work. Thank you to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And thank you for listening. We will be back uh, uh, either next week or the week after with another mini podcast. And we'll certainly do some viewership stuff as uh, we get to the uh, the NFL playoff season. So for John, for Austin, for Patrick, thanks a lot. We'll see you soon on the Sports Mini Podcast.